ladies and gentlemen, this is Tad Stones of the Disney Afternoon, and I love the great, big, beautiful tomorrow. No, wait, that's not the name of it. Beautiful podcast. Did I get that right? Very early in the uh, in the pitch process, I showed the executives this great um, video by Bill, by Bill Murray, and he said, "If you love somebody, don't just get married. Go around the world. You know, get into situations that are hard to get into and harder to get out of, and 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 really live life with with this mm-hmm. person, and 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 discover who they are. And when you come back to the airport, if you're still in love." then get married. And I feel like that's kind of what we're going to do with these two characters. We're really going to try their relationship and really put it to the test. And of course, we know that they're going to get married. But what does that look like? And uh, and how can these two characters grow in ways that all the, the fans can be really uh, happy about? Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the GBB Podcast and Twitter at the GBB Podcast. And we are on your favorite podcast catcher app. Is that what they're called? I don't even know if that's what they're called. But we're there. I think so. <laughs> okay, Whatever. Whatever they're called, that's where we Whatever. are. Whatever. And we're back with another episode. And how, how have you been this week, Jamie? Um, I've been okay. The uh, The weather... It has been a little yeah. bit up and down. It's like right. one day it's freezing, one day it's in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to complain too much because I think you still have snow on the ground. <laughs> we do, yes. We had a 15 <laughs> centimeter snowstorm. Well, s- storm. I put in quotation marks. It wasn't a storm. We had a snowfall the other day, 10 to 15 centimeters. And uh, that's, that was that's fun. Quite. That's you know, more than we got all winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and we still have like a good foot, two feet on the ground. So Jesus. That's that's a normal winter here, though. So I'm I'm not going to complain too much because it's it's other than that, it's pretty warm outside for for us. So <laughs> that's time of the year. But you, yeah. people don't. Well, care that's what you get for living. That's what you it's get true. for living so far north. That's my fault. It is. Um, it, so is this- it is your fault. It is your So this week on the show, we are interviewing Chris Sonnenberg. He's the executive producer of the new show, Tangled, the series. And we got to preview with the first movie, Tangled, before Ever After. And that was fun to preview. I mean, it doesn't matter now because it's out. But we got to preview it before it came out and watch it before we <laughs> talked to him. Yeah, we were just name dropping, okay? I'm just name dropping. We were we were special once upon a time, but now it's like no, whatever. Everybody's yeah, seen it. Everyone's seen it. <laughs> Nobody cares, man. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed the animation in it, and the story was good. And it's just it's nice to see Disney returning because I was a big fan returning to the style, you know, making a movie into a TV show. I, when I was a kid, I really liked the Aladdin cartoon. I, I don't know if anybody else did, but that was my one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. <laughs> the witch, the witch show. The it was Aladdin. It was based on the movie. Oh, the Aladdin one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I watched it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was that was the thing, you know, there was the Disney afternoon in the 80s and early 90s. That was a lot of the well, I mean, they were still based on existing characters like DuckTales and Rescue Mm -hmm. Rangers and everything. 
And then toward the tail end of that is when they really started making series out of the movie. So there was Aladdin, and then there was The Lion King, and I think there was a Hercules show. Um, and then they started pulling back from that. You know, they started focusing on other things. So I think this is, uh, I don't know if it's a return to that or if it's, um, you know, they just, they're just trying to target the popularity of Tangled because it had a real, you know, Tangled was one of the, it was, I feel like, kind of lost out in some ways you know Mm -hmm. because it came out it was super popular it was a really good story and it it didn't get the push that it probably could have and then frozen came out and just dominated everything else and i feel like after frozen came out other things got forgotten and i think tangled was one of those things that just sort of got forgotten i mean it still has fans and still people really like it i really enjoy it mm-hmm. um but i feel like after the frozen juggernaut just sort of took over everything right you know there was like um tangled and wreck it ralph and some of the other ones that came out in that same time you know within those two or three years of of frozen sort of sort of got short shrift, I think. And so it's nice to see, even though the style, the animation style is very different on the show, mm-hmm. um, it's nice to see that, you know, they're still giving it some love and um, the voice cast is back too, which is great. Right. And we talked to Chris Sonnenberg and he, he let us in on all the little details, not all the little details, but he let <laughs> us in on, a, we asked him a lot of questions and I really enjoyed this interview because we talked to him about being a dad and how that affected his work on the show. So I think it really fits with the geek dad mantra. So I think you guys are going to like it. We're going to go play the interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy. Hey Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. It's uh, awesome to have you. I wanted to, um, well, we're here to talk about the new Tangled. Um, the, one of the coups, it seems to me, is that you got both Mandy Moore and Zach Levi to come back and reprise their roles. I'm wondering how difficult was that to manage? Well, I will tell you that it was not easy. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and when I say that, I mean it wasn't easy in a good way. Like, I wouldn't necessarily have been super comfortable if they just ran in and said, we're ready to do whatever, you know. Like, I wanted them to be a little protective, and I wanted them to be a little bit questioning. And exactly, that's exactly what they were. They were very protective of these characters. They were very... Um, um, curious about what we had planned for uh, these characters in this show and what it all meant and um, luckily they were patient and they listened to the entire um, pitch for the show. What's nice about something like this is going into it not only the executives but also Zach and Manny and of course also um, Alan Menken, they wanted to know if do we have a, a, a game plan for this entire thing? And uh, Shane Prigmore and myself sat down and really, um, my co-executive producer at the time, really sat down and planned out exactly what we want to have happen to these characters for the entire run of the show. And so being able to share that with Zach and Mandy um, gave them a lot of comfort uh, as we went forward uh, recording and, and developing stories with them. I wonder if either one of them would have had an issue and said, "Yeah, you know, I just, I just don't think that I could be involved with this." Would that have, would that have thrown you for a loop creatively? Would it have made you have questioned where you were going with the show? Absolutely, I think you know we respect them so much. Of course, so much of who the characters are uh, rests in the, 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 the hearts of both Zach and Mandy. And if they weren't comfortable with what we had planned for the show, I think it definitely would have, um, it would have gone a very different direction. Cause I was not, 
I personally, I wasn't interested in finding soundalikes uh, for anybody. So if they weren't on board, it would have been a really different, uh, different, different story for everybody. Right. You mentioned Alan Menken, and he's involved with the show. How musical will the series be? You know, I, I kind of come from this old school way of um, telling stories. Uh, I, I listened to a wonderful um, uh, lecture by um, Howard Ashman back when they were developing um, The Little Mermaid back in the old days and listening to his his lecture on how to use music and what music, what music, what role music plays in storytelling, not only on Broadway, but in um, American cinema, it really became obvious to me if we were going to tell this large story that music had to play the same role, which was really evolving the characters' hearts, evolving the characters' emotions, um, really changing a, a character's outlook and, and, and worldview. And if we did that every single episode, it was going to get really tiresome very quickly because we have a lot of stories that we want to tell. So what mm -hmm. we did is we planned out um, kind of like uh, um, tent poles. Uh, for each season. So we have a, a beginning, middle, and, and an end that really dictate the mythology of Rapunzel and her hair and what all of this stuff kind of means. And so we obviously kind of line that up with what's happening in Rapunzel's heart or what's happening in Eugene's uh, emotions. And so the, the musical uh, aspect of the show really takes its biggest uh, seat in the beginning, which was like, of course, the Tangled Before Ever After, mm -hmm. the Disney Channel original movie that we just did. There's a mid-season um, two-part episode that we really, again, um, use music and then, and then a season finale um, in each season that we want to really use the music. Now, there's a couple of pub thug songs and thrown in there to really add some light and some fun to, uh, of course, the music, but we really wanted to use those, those pieces and use Alan Menken to really dictate the narrative of the uh, of the series. Yeah, is he writing all of those big tempo songs, like you said? Yeah, yeah, That's of course. Awesome. Him and, and Glenn Slater, who is the uh, lyricist for um, the 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 the. the the pieces in the in the original movie, he is back to also write uh, the lyrics in um, in our tent poles as well. That's and Kevin awesome. Kleesh is back to do our score, who scored the film, so he's back to really help us um, on on a weekly basis uh, orchestrate and score um, the show as if it were almost like little mini movies. That's awesome. You got the whole band back together. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was no small feat, but. Uh, <laughs> One by one, we just ticked them off. It was that, a lot of uh, a lot of work and a lot of um, and very satisfying to know going into it that the fans had very high expectations of the show, and so did I. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, from the music just to the design aesthetic, that which is very different from than it was in the movie, and I'm wondering just what led, what was the inspiration to that for that new look. Well, you know, going into a series, we knew we had certain limitations and we didn't really want to fail anybody uh, on, on, on really any level. And we knew trying to execute the feature style on a weekly basis was going to be a huge challenge. Um, and also kind of taking into consideration um, if this was going to be more in a large kind of context Rapunzel's story, how would Rapunzel actually tell her story? So we took the cue from her murals in her tower mm -hmm. that are very graphic and very, um, 
you know, they're very colorful and they and they very, you know, you can really get a sense of her her hand and the brush strokes that you can see on the backgrounds and the and the characters don't have exterior lines that really feel like they're painted images on a background. We really wanted those 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 elements to help progress the story and give the viewer a, a sense that Rapunzel herself is actually involved in telling these stories. Yeah. Um, it it's no surprise that uh, you know for a long time and they've gotten better, but Disney has all, all for a long time been the subject of a little bit of criticism about how they present princesses and. Um, Rapunzel has been one that has notably broken that mold in in, in terms sure. of how she relates to the the male characters in her story, mm-hmm. specifically. Um, and you know, in a big the big setup of this, the, the you know the, the premiere movie and the series is that um, you know, she's not yet ready to get married, and she she's she's okay to say no. I'm not. I don't want to marry you. Um, how yeah. how important it is it is it for you to to speak to girls about being strong young women and and how how yeah. how much is that on, of that is on your mind as you're telling these these stories? Well, I always say to every to everybody that asks this kind of a question um, that I have two of the 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 biggest executives on the show <laughs> living at home with me, which are my two daughters. I have two daughters. Uh, Ariana um, and Catalina are my two daughters, uh, 15 and 17, respectively. And they uh, are always the ones that I'm looking to for inspiration of how to tell this story, what are things that are important to them, what are things that are shaping the way that they are living their lives. And, and, and I think that Rapunzel really driving her story and having such a huge opinion of what happens in her life really comes from me observing my daughters and, and how they deal with me and my wife and parents and their friends and relationships and you know choosing career goals are all things that are very much at the front of how they're living their lives and what is happening in their lives and those you know like a good hopefully like a good storyteller I'm pulling from the experiences of my life and my mm-hmm. and and what's happening around me to fuel what's happening uh, with these characters because I think at the end of the day it's that truth that in, in storytelling that really propels any kind of successful Disney story, um, it, it, you know, with their characters is just really who they are and what fuels them. Yeah. So is it, I guess it's safe to say that there's quite a bit of your own family dynamic that's weaved its way into the show. Absolutely. Yes. You know, you know, you look at, at, at the, 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 the Disney channel original movie and you see the King, has a very specific way of how he sees his daughter, and then the the queen has a very specific way of how she views her daughter, and a lot of that is reflected um, because of um, my wife and I. We see our daughters as, you know, I want to be protective of them, and I, you know, I want to make sure that they're being smart. And of course, she's always encouraging them to take risks and to be more assertive and to to do all that kind of stuff. And I think that's very relative to uh, parenting and to a lot of. Um, kids and parents and their relationships uh, today. Yeah. I, well, I wanted to ask you about that, the, the the different dynamic that Rapunzel has with both of her parents. And in the Before Ever After, in, in the premiere movie, it seemed like the dad took on a little bit more of a dominant role. And I'm wondering, through the series, whether you're going to be able to explore the mother, the, the mother character in a little bit more depth. I would definitely say tune in. There is much more to uh, all of these relationships than we are uh, seeing in the the Disney Channel original movie. I think that was just a lot. 
you know, we, what we really needed to do in that in 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 that story was set up where everybody is. Right. I mean, it was a you know, we didn't have a whole lot of time to bring back the hair and sing a couple songs and get familiar with where everybody was, but really kind of put everybody in a specific lane for the season for them to either change or stay who they are or um, you know really evolve the characters in a meaningful way. That story and that and that specific set of circumstances just I I hope really got everybody excited about who they're going to be and who they're going to become later on in not only the series but in in uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now Disney has already ordered season two. Is this the quickest season ordering in the history of TV shows? You know, I don't you just... know. Uh, you know, we, again, we we pitched the 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 series as a large story, and I right. think that they were just so excited to to know that we do have um, more stories to tell, and that we were kind of on a trajectory that being able to plan everything just made sense of you know let's get going. We know where we're going. We know that people love these characters and. Uh, I don't know in terms of timelines or anything like that, but we were really uh, humbled and really excited to, to continue these stories into a second season. So it's safe to say you have it pretty mapped out over where you're going for the next two seasons already, or is it something you're, you know, goes with the flow, you kind of change as you go? Well, you know, there's certainly uh, flexibility that we want to give our writers to be able to uh, ebb and flow and kind of have some discovery as we go, not only with the mythology, but with um, the depth of the characters. But we definitely have, uh, we know that because our story takes place we always say between the kisses, between the end of the movie and the the short Tangled Ever After, there is definitely an end. We know that they get married. There is a specific ending in sight. And planning the series, um, part of that was making sure that our um, mythology and our story that we're telling butts up right against uh, the beginning of, of, of that short. So that's your. you've got a definite end there. There's no plans to take this series For beyond sure. that. No, yeah. I'm not for me anyways. Yeah. I, I have a very specific story that I'm telling. <laughs> if they want to grow awesome. the hair back after that, they're going to have to find another <laughs> sucker. Cause <I> am, <laughs> the fans would kill me if I did it again. <laughs> um, I, I understand that now, but let, we'll see down the road. If, if it, and, and I will say that if it makes sense for Rapunzel, if, for, for things to make, uh, if things make sense to her character to do certain things at that time, maybe we'll do it. But as of right now, I have a very specific thing that I want to say yeah. and, um, that you know that that uh, that is living inside of the story that we're telling right now. That's great. I, I understand that Rapunzel's journal has a real life inspiration. Absolutely. So of course, you know Queen Ariana is inspired by my daughter Ariana. She's uh, seventeen uh, tomorrow. Uh, is her birthday, <clears throat> and so. You know, she had done this, uh, this, she had gone on this trip to um, uh, Mexico to help build uh, houses and um, encourage uh, communities in, in Mexico um, without my wife and I, with a, another group. And when she had left, she had taken, they'd given all the kids these little journals to kind of keep track of their week. And when she had come back, it was right when we were trying to come up with a certain story points in the, in the mythology and she had come back with this journal and it was completely drawn on on the outside and on the inside with all of the, her adventures that she had gone on in this in this little week and we just kind of looked at this thing and just saying like this is exactly what Rapunzel would do she would take 
uh, some kind of way of being creative on the road with her. She would be uh, uh, telling her story in a visual way. And as soon as uh, Ariana came home with that, I looked at that and, and um, Rapunzel's journey, journal became a very huge part, a very, very um, active part of, of the story. Yeah. How, I'm just curious, how has fatherhood affected the types of projects that you've chosen to work on? Or has it, has it at all? You know, I love telling um, stories, and and of course, like I said before, telling Disney stories, a lot of it comes back to the experiences. It's not just telling other people's stories, but hopefully when we're, when we're telling good, meaningful stories, it's about looking inward and, and having an opinion about certain things. And being a father of two young, very capable, powerful young women and living with a very capable, beautiful, intelligent woman as my wife, it really does um, help tell stories like this and encourage um, young women. And uh, hopefully there's an opinion for dad in there as well as we go through the season. But our experiences and my experiences with my family certainly um, help me come up with an opinion for the characters that we write. Yeah. What... um what shows do you remember fondly from when you were a kid? Oh man. Well, I'm a I'm a child of the like late 70s and early mm-hmm. 80s, so I'm a huge fan of like uh, Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley yeah. and Mork and Mindy <laughs> and Chips and Fantasy Island and just a sense of like great characters. You know, my mom, you know, I was raised by a single mother and so you know, part of our television was always the fun of of Happy Days, but we also watched like Mary Tyler Moore, mm-hmm. who was a very rich character, very real character that uh, drove her own story. And I loved the the fact that my mom encouraged watching great um, situation comedies like Mary Tyler Moore with very powerful women. We also watched Alice, and um, you know, not that there were a lot of female characters in it, but but like Taxi mm-hmm. and Barney mm-hmm. Miller that were that were very rich in character and very rich in um, wonderfully written, very complex storylines and very complex characters. I loved the fun of of some of the sitcom stuff, but I really got a lot out of um, enjoying shows with my mom, like Mary Tyler Moore and Alice. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the most important thing that you've learned about being a father? Encouragement of, um, uh, of, uh, of avenues that I wouldn't necessarily have planned out for my, my daughters. They're constantly surprising me in things that they do and, and being behind them, encouraging them throughout all of their, you know, part of being a teenager is, is just making mistakes and recognizing that. And what do you do when you make a mistake? Do you, you know, do you kind of double down on that and, and make it worse? Or do you, or, or do you, uh, um, um, you know, apologize and how do you do that and how do you deal with stuff? Um, it's been really rewarding to see my daughters as they grow older um, really choose, make make wise decisions. And then when they do make bad decisions, um, making up for that and, and really taking responsibility. And it's been really gratifying as a father to not only see that, but encourage that um, in their lives. Yeah. 
Do you have, this might seem like a weird question, but do you have like a, a standard dad phrase or a piece of dad wisdom that you tell your kids again yeah. and again? Yeah, <laughs> I have a few of them, but um, the one that they always yell at me, you know, is better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have yeah, it. I love that one. <laughs> going on the road. Yeah, that's, the, you know, I have my own, you know, Eugene has a, we always call it an adventure bag, but I also have an adventure bag that I carry around with me. <laughs> Um, that's this big leather satchel. It looks a lot like Eugene's from the movie, um, but I always have a lot of fun stuff in there that, that they can't believe that I have. I have a lot of little compartments that have little things in there, and they're always <laughs> like, yeah, well, you really do have it and not need it. <laughs> uh, so, so they take that to heart, and, and they always seem to be prepared for um, little things that happen. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you real quickly about, about your career. Um, in, in a big general sense, um, you started working for Disney as an in-betweener during the late '90s, and you worked on a lot of the big feature yeah. films. Um, and I mean, so the the career trajectory that you've had is working, you know, entry level as an in-betweener, and now you're EP of a hugely popular property. It, it, yeah, is that is that realistic for somebody who's starting out today? I mean, if somebody's just starting out in animation, is that is that something that you think can still happen? Even though I, I do, I do think you. you know I have a really good, I have a very good friend of mine. His name is Clay Cadis, who um, was the directing animator on Tangled. And you know I started out as an in betweener, but Clay started out picking up trash at Disneyland. <laughs> you know, like he literally like swept trash at Disneyland and worked his way all the way up to <laughs> the directing animator of Tangled. And I think that a lot of the people in my generation, we we all started very low in the totem pole and really um, respected the trajectories that the, the the generation before us went through. And we all kind of have this idea that we have to pay our dues and we all have to kind of like see the underbelly of this, of this, of this art form and really have a respect for it and know that this is not given out where these are not titles that they give out at the front door. You really have to have, um, a strong opinion and a, and a strong backbone and a, a clear vision of what you want to say and do. And a lot of that comes from, from uh, experience and living through the trials of, you know, the late nineties where they stopped doing traditional animation. They stopped doing what we thought was kind of the, the, the core DNA of what Disney animation or Disney, the company was, was, hand-drawn Mickey Mouse drawings, mm -hmm. right? Like, so now, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the late 90s, they stopped doing that kind of a thing. And, and do we just kind of, like, fold our arms and go in a different direction? Or do we ebb and flow and kind of evolve um, with the, the art form? And I think the, the, the generation, our generation, that kind of um, evolved through that became stronger and became, you know, we didn't have the, the, the luxury of being lazy with what was happening. We had to like become stronger and have a, a, a more clear attitude of, of what we wanted to do with our careers. That's amazing. It's good, good inspiration for the people who are just starting too. Yeah. I love yeah, that story. Yeah, but, yeah. The, just start wet cleaning trash and then suddenly not suddenly but the, you yeah, know, he, still, he still has his I, I love to go see it. he actually still has his white shirt with the yellow Disneyland on it like it's very icon wow. I, like it's an iconic like uh, thing that you look at of seeing like when you go to Disneyland those guys are yeah you know, are really working hard to make that place very beautiful. And I think he keeps that as a representation of, listen, it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of de dedication to, um, to, to do this work. And, um, 
it's a great reminder of what it takes to be where we are. Absolutely. Amazing. What are you most excited about people seeing in uh, the new show? Just um, more stories with characters that we love. Um, we're going to go in some really interesting directions with these characters that people might not be uh, comfortable with. I, I'm excited to uh, evolve these characters. I think Mandy and Zach are both very excited to get these characters in um, uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. We... Um, you know, very early in the uh, in the pitch process, I showed the executives this great um, video by Bill by Bill Murray that somebody had gotten on a on a a, a a wedding shower or a bachelor party where you know he was giving out some advice to to this groom about how to succeed in his marriage, and he said, if you love somebody, don't just get married, go around the world, you know, get into situations that are hard to get into and harder to get out of, and 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 really live life with the, with this person mm-hmm. and, and, and discover who they are. And when you come back to the airport, if you're still in love, then get married. And I feel like that's kind of what we're going to do with these two characters. We're really going to try their relationship and really put it to the test. And of course we know that they're going to get married, but what does that look like? And, uh, and how can these two characters grow in ways that all the, the fans can be really uh, happy about? That's amazing. I love awesome. that advice too. That's such good advice. It is, it is. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for your time. I'm really looking forward to watching the whole series, and I, I know everybody else is too. So good luck with the show. And Thanks, uh, Jamie. Thanks, Justin. Thank you guys thank so, you much, so much, much for having much. me on. Uh, tune in. It's going to be a fun ride. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, so before the interview, Jamie, you were talking about the different shows that came out, Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen, that kind of put Tangled on hold. But let's put Tangled on hold again for a second. Uh-oh. Wreck-It Ralph 2 was just announced. I heard. And, you know, <laughs> I heard that it, they got a... They, well, it wasn't just announced. They just gave it a title, right? Yeah, they just it gave coming. it a title. Right, exactly. They gave it a title. Ralph Breaks the Internet, Which I think I, it's called. I, is that what it is? I was just going to say, I, I yeah, have to admit, I, I didn't Wreck-It even Ralph see what the title was. Ralph Breaks the Internet. And all I all I picture in this is he's gonna do like a Kim Kardashian picture with the. No, I'm just, he's not gonna. Oh do that. my gosh! <laughs> so is this gonna be like Ralph? They make a like a Facebook game out of Ralph. Okay. I, I, you know, I he's a video game sure. character. It's like what's the what's the I don't know what the plot of this one is. I don't know either. I don't know that they've but, even uh, said. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't really. I'm awful. I didn't even really look into. It. I just saw the little preview on Facebook, right? And you saw it too. I'm assuming. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. It was just like a quick 10 second like, video I, that showed ha- the title. And again, I have to be honest. I loved Wreck-It Ralph. I'm excited to see a second one. Ralph Breaks the Internet sounds kind of fun, but there's been a lot of other stuff that came out recently that sort of took my attention. I don't know if you saw, there was a little short um, um, leading into Coco, the new Pixar movie. Okay. Um, there was a new. It's like a two. It's like a two-minute short about the dog that's in the movie. So it introduces the dog mm-hmm. and shows you a little bit of the style. And it's that was super cute. So um, that grabbed my attention. And then yesterday, completely unrelated to Disney and anything remotely family friendly, but the trailer <laughs> for it. The trailer for it came out. I heard about that. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard people. T- I saw people tweeting about it. Yeah, I watched it at one thirty in the afternoon, and I still had trouble going to sleep last night. Like, so it, wow. I mean, like it, the book was a huge part of my childhood. Like, mm-hmm. I was a huge Stephen King <laughs> fan no, when no I was childhood, a kid. Right? 
Exactly. <laughs> I was a huge Stephen King fan when I was a kid. And I, I just tore through a lot of those books. And it, all thousand plus pages of that, I just tore into. Like, I loved that book. And then I remember there was the TV miniseries that came out years back. And Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown is one of those roles that could cannot be copied or topped in so many ways. And so when they announced that they were making it again as a film... I, along with a lot of other people, were sort of hesitant. Like, well, how mm-hmm. can you really top Tim Curry in that role? Right. And then the trailer came out yesterday. And now, granted, we didn't see a whole lot of Pennywise. Um, he was just sort of hinted at, and you just saw, like, glimpses really quickly. And it was enough to terrify me. Um, but just the rest of the movie, everything else they showed in those two and a half minutes was just, mm-hmm. it looked really, really good. And it was, I don't usually get scared by trailers and this trailer really did it is really frightening and then i thought about it later and i said well i wonder if that trailer like if it was just a random movie that they just made and you didn't already know the story and we didn't already come to it with the baggage of seeing tim curry in that role i wonder if it would still be scary or if we're just we're watching that and we're scared by association right but in any case i'm really looking forward to it so i think the it trailer um um overshadowed oh, yeah, crowded out sure. anything else so that's why i miss i missed the wreck it ralph thing so yeah i, I bet it did well and i saw people talking about it they watched <laughs> it and they said just the just the trailer was a, enough of a square scare that oh, yeah you know the yep. movie's gonna be insane and i'm yep. assuming is it releasing in like october around halloween-ish you know i don't know uh i, yeah. I was i was a little bit too terrified by the trailer to really <laughs> see like when it was coming and i i don't know off the top of my head when it's coming out um all right well, but they maybe- are they are making two movies out of it i believe because the book is so long and it really tells a yeah. bunch of different stories and this first movie is the story from the kids point of view um, okay so if okay. you watch the trailer and you've seen stranger things it's mm-hmm. you're definitely going to get a stranger things vibe out of it um, mm-hmm. And then I think the second movie they make is going to be from the adults' perspective. Well, we need to start planning our next year's Halloween episode. So there maybe you go. We can, maybe we can try to grab someone associated with the project. Or Excellent. who knows? I, we'll see. I will work on that. Oh, yeah, Jamie will work his touches. <laughs> Stranger Things or it, Jamie? That's your goal for okay. the Halloween episode. Done. <laughs> okay. All right, Done. guys. Thank All you right. so much for coming back every week. If you're not subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And share us with your friends. That's not something I've ever asked you to do. But if you think you have someone that likes geeky type stuff and maybe they would enjoy our interviews, share the podcast. And that's how we grow. And that'll really help us out. And meanwhile, you can also chat with us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBV Podcast. Or if you want to reach out personally to us, I'm at 140JustinC on Twitter and and Instagram. And I'm at TheRoarBots. And that's where you can find both places. He's not on Snapchat. We've already talked about that. So don't look for him. (laughs) We've talked about that. Don't look for me there. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming by. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.